episode 18 of the Bearded Car Cast, live on remote from BBT Ballpark in Uptown Charlotte. I have never been to this dugout suite yeah, area cool, before. It? it feels as though if they run out of players, they might call on us to to hit. This is a remarkable view. I, you know, I grew up in the Bay Area, the Oakland Coliseum and Candlestick Park. There wasn't a seat in the house remotely close to as good as this. You are right next to the dugout, and, and the field here is very, very close to the stands and to the dugout. No, in fact, I think managers probably worked about 10,000 steps going from the yep. dugout to the mound at uh, yeah, ex the old exactly. Uh, Dusty Oakland Baker was in, in very good shape, and Tony Larusa because <laughs> there's so much foul ground. Yeah, I mean, BB&T Ballpark here in Uptown Charlotte is a great spot, and we thank Tommy Viola, the media relations director, for letting us use this suite, but I've always been upstairs, and you know what a, a press room and a media facility yeah. and suites look like. I've never been in a suite down here right by the field, and it's a spectacular view of the field, and you can tell they're getting ready for opening day. Eight days away here, a week from Thursday, the home opener for the Knights. Yeah, the Charlotte Knights, AAA affiliate of the White Sox. They open up uh, tomorrow, which will be Thursday, on the road at Durham, and then the home opener here will be against the Scranton and Wilkes-Barre, uh, the Rail Riders, the Yankees affiliate, which which is always interesting because the Yankees affiliate, the uh, the Pawtucket Red Sox, the Red Sox affiliate. Uh, I mean, if they always tend to draw a little bit extra juice. Absolutely, and if Yankee fans are to believe, by then Giancarlo Stanton will have been <laughs> sent down, and That's they can right. boo him here in Charlotte too. I mean, like I get it. You're you're paying the guy a ton of money. I mean, it's not like he's off to a horrible start. But, but it's he, like two games or five games in. Yeah, like, he, relax. He's in the prime of his career. But that that that's the baseball mantra. I mean, we've got people arguing over guys bunting in the ninth inning and guys using up their entire bullpen the first two days of the season. Like, it takes six months. Calm down. I know. It's crazy. You know, I, I'm glad you brought up the bunting thing because when we talked about what we are going to uh, discuss on the podcast today, I really wanted to get into this because it, it's interesting to me that, uh, you know, there's always like the adherence and then the non-adherence to the unwritten baseball rules. And sometimes some I get, some I don't get, some some I'm on board with, some I, don't I think get are any ridiculous. Well, some of them make sense to me. But what does not make sense to me is if you have a six, five, six, seven run lead in the ninth inning and you're putting a shift on a guy and then that guy then bunts to get on base how can you have a problem with that exactly you're playing a shift in order to maximize your opportunity <laughs> to get him out the fact that he plays the other way that's totally on you I think that's and good baseball actually it is good baseball because your chances of winning the game are not zero down seven nothing in the ninth yeah. inning they're less than one percent but they're, they're not zero right. it's the same thing as Leonard, Leonard Hamilton not fouling at the end of that game a couple of weeks ago, like you have to try to give yourself an opportunity to win the game. Well, he's not going to hit a seven-run home run. Yeah. The way he can try to help his team is to get on. And in that case, I believe it was a rookie. He's just trying to start the year not on the Norfolk Tides opening day <laughs> roster. He's trying to stay in the major leagues. He's showing his team. He's showing the the owner and the general manager, hey, I'll do everything. This is in my, my group of skills that I can bunt and I can get on and I can play against the shift it's not like some 10-year veteran that you know he knows his spot is secure and he doesn't want to mess with baseball rules this is a guy trying to get that hundred dollar per diem the next day yeah I thought it was a complete overreaction and it was the twins and the Orioles it was a, a game from Sunday that, that we're talking about and uh, Jose Barrios was working on a complete game and I think that 
a little bit tended to. Big uh, deal. I know. I know. I'm with you. I don't. Again, <laughs> I think if you're going to put the shift on. I don't think you can be. I mean, he wouldn't. And Chance Cisco wor- was the was the player right. to put the bunt on. He wouldn't have been working on a complete game though if he was on the Phillies. They'd change pitchers oh every goodness. four batters, and sometimes they bring in guys who aren't even warming up. Don't you think sometimes baseball they get into these philosophies where they kind of overthink things? You know, oh like, and I know this God. is a Dodger philosophy where you don't want your starting pitcher to face the order a third time through the order because the theory is that by that time the Dodgers also have about nine really good starting. Yeah, well, pitchers. that's easy when you have that. But I also, I mean, just as much baseball as I've watched. I mean, I've just seen guys. Yeah, I understand that philosophy, but I've seen guys face the order third time through and mow them down just like they did the first two times. Yeah, I mean, like it makes like why sense. burn out your bullpen? Yep. For some silly philosophy that's kind of arbitrary. I mean, it makes sense to me to try to limit innings to the best of your ability, but not just for the sake of doing it. When when you look at what Gabe Kapler and the Phillies have done, I mean. He he honestly put his own guy in great danger. Yeah. Like he thought someone was warming up, they weren't warming right. up. He made the call to the bullpen. The baseball rule is you then have to bring that yeah. guy in, and the umpire essentially broke all baseball rules and said this could do harm to someone who has not warmed up. Right. What do you think about that? Like like the umpire broke baseball's rule to try to basically say we're just not going to get this guy injured for no reason. Well, I think. The rule probably has its roots kind of antiquated, like from a rule standpoint. Uh, and, and there wasn't so much, you know, I mean, guys didn't really care about. Uh, but the rule is the rule. No, the rule is the rule. But I, I, I like the fact that the umpire put player safety ahead of the rule. I do too, but I think there should have been a backlash to it. I think they should have had to bring him in, have him throw his warm-up pitches, and then say, okay, his arm's in danger. Now you need to throw four pitch-outs to give him four more mm. warm-up tosses. Like, they kind of got away with murder. I think they got fined for the deal. Right, I mean, there was, yeah, right. there, there was a report sent in and the fine and all that. And I guess they won't do it again. But what if they do do it again? What what it's the slippery slope now? Are the umpires supposed to now say, well, again, player safety, or is it a one strike and you're out policy? Or, or maybe what it is is it's it's along the same lines of punishment, not so much as a fine, but maybe Gabe Kapler gets suspended a game or two, right? Because because they have to, you have to now. Grant, he's a rookie manager, and and th- I'm not excusing that. However, you have to – I mean, I don't care if you're a rookie or a 10-year guy. Like, you have to know if your guy's ready to put him in. Like, and this is the reason you have a staff. Right. Your pitching coach and your kidding coach and your bench coach and your like bullpen The pitching coach, coach should have grabbed him before he got out of the dugout and said, whoa, hold on a minute. Yeah, a- absolutely. Like, he made a major error, and he put someone in jeopardy, and baseball let him get away with it, which probably was the right thing to do, a, a, a human move. But now you can't let it happen a second time. So you, you kind of put yourself in a weird situation. But that goes. But that hasn't happened in. I mean, I don't know the last. I don't know if that I've ever seen that happen. Right. I, I don't know that I have either. But like that's baseball with all of these actual rules and then these made-up the rules. rules. Like right. to me, the fact that we now have replay in baseball and there is no area play at second base. That's great. And I understand people don't like the disruption of the replay, but like, what is this concept of he was close to second base? That counts. I mean, if if Gordon Haywood almost made that half-court heave, did Butler win the national championship because it rimmed around and went out? You know what? We're going to go ahead and count that. Butler wins. Duke, you don't win the national championship. Like, it's ridiculous. But it's like, but it's a little bit like that in basketball. The I mean, the unwritten rule in basketball is the officials swallow 
blow the whistle in the last 30 seconds of the game or, or whatever time you want to put on that. I mean, if it's a foul in the first minute of the game, yeah. it's a foul. It's, it's kind of the same thing in hockey, right? They don't they don't call penalties in overtime of yeah. playoff games. You can haul people down. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But, but doesn't that all seem like nonsense? Like, in order to have consistency, just enforce the actual rules that are there. Yeah, that's the easiest thing to do. Sometimes with baseball, I think – Part of the reason why you kind of got away with it is just because of the 162 games, as far as like the area play, like that that well, kind of makes... were, that was before there was and before TV, replay there before were 3, TV, thousand right. replays of every. I mean, like the idea that that a guy would catch a ball in the end zone and have one foot out of bounds in the NFL and then go, yeah, we're just going to count that. I mean, of course you're <laughs> not going to get away with that. Like, that's why it's good that the NFL constantly changes their rules. They evolve with their rules. And we talked last week about liking or not liking the new rules, but at least they're trying to get modern and they're trying to change things. This idea of bunting at the end of the game, if it's not allowed, make it a rule. It's a five-run yeah. game. It's a ten-run game. You're not allowed to bunt anymore. There'd be no reason for that, but like, like, it's either a rule or it's not a rule. It can't be an unwritten rule. That's the definition of a rule. It is written. Not a rule, but I thought this was kind of funny. Uh, the White Sox and Blue Jays over the weekend, and Daryl Boston, who was, uh, when I first started with the White Sox in, in the organization on the minor league side uh, with Kanopolis, so it wasn't really with the White Sox, but with Kanopolis, uh, Debo was the outfield instructor. So I, got I remember know, when he played for the Mets. Yeah, yeah. Well, and he was a former first round pick of the White Sox. Uh, but but the uh, so deep. I've known Debo a long time. It's a good guy. You know, fun, a lot of energy, and uh, he. Um, it was really funny. So Josh Donaldson gets up to the plate, and apparently Debo does this thing when the White Sox make a really good play in the field, where he blows a whistle. And so he he blew the whistle. He's trying to kind of get things fired up a little bit before Josh Donaldson stepped up to the plate. And, of course, Josh Donaldson then proceeds to hit a home run. And as he's crossing home plate, he looks into the White Sox dugout, and he's blowing the whistle <laughs> at Debo. So Debo I said, love Josh Donaldson. So Debo said, all right, I got to own that one. I, uh, the home runs, home runs on me. But I think it's incumbent on baseball. Uh, the reason why I bring that up on the heels of what we are just talking about is uh, – Making the game fun, and, and that goes along with speeding up the game. Uh, but you have to, you know, the the game is the game, but people have to have an enjoyable time there. One of the unwritten rules is when you hit a home run, you don't do the bat flip. Now, I used to be violently opposed to that just because I thought it was a decorum issue. But you know what? It's the same thing it, as end it's have, celebrations. Right. It's just, it, if, if the players are having fun and the fans like it, what's the big deal? Exactly. It's the Bearded Carcast from Knight Stadium or BB&T Ballpark in Uptown Charlotte. Glad you're with us. Send us an email. It's beardedcarcast at outlook.com. Beardedcarcast at outlook.com. Start of baseball season is here. We talked last week about Shohei Otani. He had that horrible spring training. Can we stop paying attention to meaningless exhibition sports? There's always some guy in the NFL preseason that's going to be the next Adrian Peterson or the next Tom Brady, and then he actually has to face starters in the regular season, and he's not good. Otani struggled in games that didn't matter. And, hey, it's a small sample size. 
but he was really good on the mound against the A's over the weekend that hit a home run last night. Incredibly talented guy over in Japan, coveted by the entire sport. It wouldn't be surprising if he's a pretty transcendal uh, he's a yeah. pretty good player he, he's a, a transcendent guy he changes the sport and he's exciting I don't know if he's gonna have an amazing rookie year a mediocre rookie year but the idea that he was completely written off because of spring training yeah. is ridiculous and it's also uh, it's a storybook start right I mean he wins his first start as a pitcher and then he has a home run in his first at bat as a as a DH I mean does it get any better than that but you you hit the nail on the head, Dave. I mean, how many times in in training camp for the NFL here have have the media gone crazy about a, a couple of guys, and then end up you know they're they're training camp heroes, and then they end up not even making the, an NFL roster, not let alone the Panthers, but an NFL time roster. And time, time and time, time again. again. I mean, why do people watch Hard Knocks? It's entertaining. Why do people not watch Hard Knocks? It has nothing to do with what you're going to see for the rest of the season. I mean, that guy that's the superstar in training camp, I don't know, four times out of five doesn't turn out to be a whole lot. But then to me, the and just with all the minor league games that I've watched, sometimes we get way caught up in the numbers, and I think what the talent evaluators really focus on is is the approach and the you know approach, attitude, effort, hustle. Some some of those things don't really show up in a box score. You know, look at Lucas Giolito; he did okay. His numbers were okay here last year, but he goes up in September and he pitches pretty well. So often, guys are in a triple-A situation on a rehab start, or they know that they're going up. The, the guy, Acuna, right now is in the in the Braves triple-A yeah. system. He knows three weeks from now, whether he hits 100 or 500, he's coming up. It's a deal with the contract and the Super 2 or whatever it is, and they can get an extra year out of him if he's in the minor right. leagues for three extra weeks. You're not getting the A effort at that point because the guy already knows what's coming. Chialito knew he was a top prospect. Did he want to do well? Of course, they're competitive. You want to do as well as you possibly can. I think when Bryce Harper was in the minor leagues, you kind of saw that as like a little bit of sleepwalking through the last few weeks of the season because he knew the next year he was going to start the year in the big leagues. But there's also a, there's a, a feel, I think, that the coordinators and the general managers have to have as when the player is ripe to bring up, you know, you don't want to bring a guy up too early. But a lot has to do these days with contracts. That's Less true. to do with who is deserving to go up and more to do with do we have room on the 40-man roster? Is the guy that we're going to take off our 25-man roster, does he have options left? Can we put someone on the disabled list? What about service time? Yeah. Like there's a lot that goes into A lot that goes into it. the mix. Absolutely. Now, we're talking about – baseball. The baseball season has just gotten underway. But if you look at social media, you go to one of the big websites, you watch SportsCenter, they talk about baseball a little and NFL offseason constantly. Yeah. I mean, I asked someone last night, I was talking to a friend of mine after the uh, the Patriots made that trade, getting another first round draft pick for the wide receiver. And yeah, I said, Cooks. when is the NFL draft? And he's like, I think it's like three weeks away, four weeks away. I'm like, are you kidding me? All I read about is this prospect. Yeah. and th It's three weeks away. College basketball season is over, and apparently like, it's either game five of 162 games 
or the NFL draft, which, quite frankly, we can't analyze anyway. Oh, it's a left tackle from Utah versus a wide receiver from Louisiana Lafayette. I haven't watched either of them play. I have no idea which guy is good. Maybe you can have an opinion at the quarterback position. I mean, you look at a guy like Josh Allen at Wyoming. I mean, it is apparent that his numbers against decent defenses were lousy. Like, that would bother me. Now, right. I have not watched the tape of all of his games and all of his throws. I was not at his... his you didn't go to his pro day? I didn't go to pro day or watch him in the combine or anything like that. But the fact that when he played better teams, he wasn't very good in college, that that's a legitimate concern. But a guy that runs a 4-4-40 and plays at Coastal Carolina versus a guy that runs a 4-6-40 and plays at Alabama... I don't know. I have no. I have no idea. I mean, is he Darius Hayward Bay, or is he? Is he? You know, the next coming, the next superstar guy. I, I don't know. So, so we're we're spending a lot of time on the NFL draft. No one's got any idea now. Philosophically, we can talk about the Cooks trade. I believe Brandon Cooks is a number one wide receiver, but not a top tier number one wide receiver. If you're a Rams fan, you have to be excited. They well, going are going all in, yep. and it makes sense. Yeah. It's when your quarterback is on a rookie contract, which means he's not making much money, so you can spend money in a lot of ways. There was an article on Pro Football Talk today that they've got a ton of room under the cap next year, which means they do have an opportunity to bring back all of these guys probably for one more year before the numbers start catching up with them. So they're all in. Good for them. I do caution the teams that win the offseason very, very rarely win the Super Bowl. You're now bringing in a lot of new bodies to try to kind of duplicate what you did last year with different players, but you're bringing in high-end guys. That being said, a guy like Namda Kinsu, who has been a really, really good player, might be a Hall of Fame player, there is a reason a team, even if it's not a very smart organization, said, go ahead, let him go. There's a reason that Bill Belichick said, yeah, we can do without this. Yeah. So it, it, it's not like it's a, a one-sided trade. From the Belichick perspective... And he brings baggage too, Sue does. Right. From a Belichick perspective, though, with Cooks, I mean, it's nice when you're able to rent a guy for one, one year, year and now we don't know what he's going to do with all those draft picks. And Tom Brady is aging. You do need to have players around right. him. But by trading Garoppolo because you couldn't franchise Garoppolo and pay two quarterbacks that much money, you get a pick and now you get another pick for Cooks but people are talking about the Patriots potentially trying to get a quarterback I think you now desperately need people around Tom Brady to make that last big run and you've got the nucleus of draft picks to go do that whether you trade up or you trade back Belichick's now in a position I don't think to get a quarterback, I think he's in a position to get guys, whether it be veterans that he trades picks for, whether it be guys he's specifically targeting the draft, whether it be numbers, a bunch of guys he likes in the third, fourth, fifth round, he now has the infrastructure to go get that group of guys. But wouldn't it surprise you if they traded two firsts or a future first or a first and a second to try to move up and get Josh Rosen and redshirt him behind Tom Brady? I don't, mark it down, I don't think that's going to happen. I I don't think they're doing that. I think Look at the genius of this move. They have Brandon Cooks for one year. They, they tried to make another run to get back-to-back championships, get Brady some help. They weren't going to extend him, or they, 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 the two sides couldn't agree on a contract extension. So 
he became expendable. Now you get a number one uh, draft pick. So now you have two number ones. You have two number twos. His $8 million comes off the books. Now they have $15 million in cap space going into next year. And and look at the, the track record, right? So uh, uh, Matt Castle, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, you know, Tom Brady, none of those three were taken past the first round. They were- right, and that's exactly it. Maybe now that you have another pick, there's a guy middle of the first yeah. round, late in the first round, second round, that you want to bring in that you feel really good about, but you don't have to use a ton of equity to get. I mean, essentially, if you could trade Garoppolo for Garoppolo's replacement, again, Jimmy Garoppolo is probably going to be good. He looked very, right. very good at the end of the year for the 49ers. But the Patriots were in an untenable situation. They couldn't play him, and they couldn't afford to keep him. If you can simply trade him, use that same pick to have the guy that you want behind Brady, whether he's as good as Garoppolo or not, someone that you've targeted, someone that you've scouted, somebody that you like, and now you have these other picks, and you can use them to help out Brady or you can trade back, you can trade up to whoever it is you want, you you have a lot going for you. But the bottom line with Cooks is he's good. I don't think he's great. He wasn't in their long-term future plans. At that point, as a one-year rental, it seems really smart. Back on the Bearded Carcast, Mike Pacheco, Dave Friedman. Glad you're joining us. As always, send us an email. BeardedCarCast at Outlook.com. You can follow us along on Twitter at BeardedCarCast. We have the conclusion of the college basketball season, which there's some symmetry because the Bearded CarCast was born out of the beginning of the basketball season. We started out going on road trips to basketball games uh, covering Winthrop University, and we decided what better way to entertain the masses than to entertain our conversations going to road games. And now that we're not on the road anymore, we're in the uh, luxurious Dugout suites, the Lexus dugout suites here at BB&T Ballpark. Well, basketball season is over. Yeah, it's just concluded. And we drive to basketball games. Now it's baseball season, right. and we're hanging out by the dugout. It hanging makes out, sense. Yeah, it makes complete sense. But we have the conclusion of uh, the basketball season with Villanova winning, and now everybody's attention with opening day passed as well. Uh, we're going to swing our way into the Masters now, which really has become one of the kind of preeminent sports events in America. It's a phenomenal event, and I think what makes it special is the familiarity. Every year, the U.S. Open is played at a different course. The British Open is played at a different course. The PGA is played at a different course. I believe there are points in the year that if you went to the 16th hole at Augusta National and threw a rock up at the TV tower, Vern Lundquist would get hit. I think he lives there part-time. He lives in Steamboat Springs, and I think part of the year he lives in the 16th tower at Augusta. We've all seen all of those shots before. Amen corner. Yeah. I can wake up and tell you where you want the ball and what the traditional Sunday placings are of the cups and the tees. And, like, it's almost a part of your family. It's, it's that one person in your family. You only see him once a year on Thanksgiving, but you know what he's going to wear and you know what he's going to bring and you know the stories he's going to tell it's the same thing it's Augusta National which really doesn't change a whole lot for better or for worse it's the 
second cut, not the rough. It's the patrons, not the fans. It's But it's, you can't say dilly dilly. <laughs> you, you can't say a lot of things. Yeah, there are prohibited words, and apparently dilly dilly has made the list this year. Yeah, not, not surprisingly. I mean, it's really what can you say, yeah. not what can't you say. This year is particularly interesting for a wide variety of reasons, but if you look at the futures odds, who's expected to win, they're like, Eight guys with very close odds, whether it be Dustin Johnson or Jordan Spieth or Rory McIlroy. Phil Mickelson has had a tremendous start yeah. to the year. And Tiger Woods is feeling better. And Tiger Woods is back. So you've got the old guys. They played, they together, played together yesterday. yesterday. They played yeah. nine holes together. Whoever believes we would see that. Right. And Phil but, Mickelson was wearing a button-down like Oxford uh Type, and uh, Tiger shirt, was yeah. giving him a giving him a, him a hard time. All you're missing is the tie. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a lot going on. It's a, it's a great course. The weather is supposed to be really nice, and there are a lot of storylines. Well, so, if Tiger's in contention on Sunday, it's going to go back to '86 and, oh, and Jack Nicholson. Yeah, I mean, the the ratings will be, be through the roof. Jack Nicholas, I think Jack, Jack Nicholson. Nicholson. Jack, Jack Nicholson. <laughs> He's Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but. When you look at the Masters, what is it that you think of? Is it a moment in history? Is it something about the future? Is it something about the course? Like, what is your, like, the Masters run? Here's why I'm interested. Or are you interested? My first memory of the Masters really was born out uh, because it usually was around Easter. And we would always go over to my uncle's house. And my uncle was a huge golf fan. And... We would invariably, you know, hang out with them on a Sunday and watch the final round of the Masters. Yep. So that, that that's kind of, I guess that's kind of like my baseball story. You just just from a, and my my dad wasn't really into that much into golf. I mean, he played a little bit of golf, but um, but it was really just those family events um, being surrounded by that. And then the older you got, I remember when uh, the first Masters that Tiger won. I was in the newsroom at ABC, at ABC News, um, and just happened to work on that Sunday, and, and that, you know that was a big deal. Have you been to golf tournaments? You, you've been to well, Quail been to, Hollow, I've been right? To, yeah, I've been to, well, I've been to a couple U.S. Opens. I've been to, um, obviously, the, the PGA that we had here in August. I've uh, been to a bunch of um, the Wells Fargo tournament. I feel like attending a golf tournament. I've been to all four majors, and I really like major golf. But it is a different environment. Oh, totally. Going to a golf tournament yeah. is not like going to a basketball game or a baseball game. Like it, It's it's a 180. You kind of chart your own course about right. how you want to go about it. You can sit in the same seat for all day or a couple hours. You can follow big-name golfers and have difficulty seeing. You can follow little-known golfers and be like one of their four people following them. It's their their girlfriend and their hitting coach and their buddy from college. Yeah. Like like it's just it's a very unique, very interesting environment and, and I've really enjoyed it my wife is not a golf fan but loves Mark Leishman because we were at the British Open this is probably six seven years ago he was a no-name at that point and we were leaving so everyone was kind of walking in one direction yeah. we were walking back in the other direction to get to our car and he had put himself in a really bad spot off way to the right in the rough and I go we have to stop and watch this shot because this is an impossible yeah. shot. And it's him and his caddy 
and Nicole and I. Those are the <laughs> only people standing there. Yeah. And it's getting late in the day. It's 4.30 right. or 5 o'clock. And it's starting to rain because it's the British sure. Open. And it's always yeah. starting to rain. We're going one way. They're going the other way. And he hits a beautiful shot. Just just a, a 16 bouncer up the middle of the fairway and, and lays up right short of the green. A very difficult spot from a, a bad spot on the course. And, you know, he wasn't in contention or anything like that. And I just said something like, great shot. And he goes, thanks, mate. Just very, like, <laughs> yeah. appreciative that somebody was there <laughs> and that someone took notice. Yeah. And I mean, he didn't make the cut or right, anything right, right, like right. that. And since then, we've kind of followed his story and his wife was very sick and he quit playing golf for a little while and she got better and they've got a couple of kids and they live down in Florida. But like you can actually have, we were at the Olympics and we followed Sergio Garcia for probably eight or nine holes. And I am a... But he had to be, had a mob... There's no one at golf at the Olympics. People are there to watch gymnastics. People are there to watch beach volleyball. I mean, it's this huge brand new course. People are all spread out. There was... Fewer than 100 people following anyone. Whoever really? the biggest name was. Yeah, there was, there was nobody wow. there. Okay. But I, I'm standing as close to you and I are talking, and we're, I don't know, four feet from yeah. each other, to Sergio for an hour and a half or, or two hours. And you, Did you, you get, strike up a conversation? Well, he, he speaks mainly a language that I don't <laughs> speak. I, I did take three years of Spanish in high school, but my, my uh, I, no hablo. Okay. Uh, in, in any event, though, I've been to the Masters. My dad is a really good golfer. He's like a seven or eight handicap. Has been playing his entire life. And one of his great goals was to go to some of these cool sporting events. So I took him to the Kentucky Derby one year for a birthday. And getting tickets to the Masters is very, very, very yeah. difficult. And I found someone. You got to get in the lottery or you have to know somebody. And this was before the lottery that we went. And we enter the lottery every year. You know, I've met like two people that have won the lottery. And essentially every single person I know applies for the lottery. Very, very difficult. But I found someone who had tickets and we have a relationship. And I kind of told him what I was trying to do for my dad. And after a year or two, he gave us two tickets. Or, well, we paid him, but you paid whatever the, the... face value is, which yeah. is some incredibly nominal amount of money. It's like $40 or $50 wow. or something. And we went to the Masters, and it was – I've never seen anything like it. If you go to the U.S. Open and you want to see Tiger Woods, you got to walk six holes in front of Tiger oh, Woods, absolutely. eight holes Yeah, you got to plan ahead. Plan ahead. And if you go to the U.S. Open, you're going to park – 20 miles away, yeah. and they're going to bus you in. And there's a ton of security. It's just a pain. So my dad and I went to Thursday at the Masters, and I got us a hotel in Augusta so that we get there bright and early. And we were told people are willing to sell you parking. Don't buy parking. Augusta National has bought all of the acreage right around the course. You park for free right adjacent to the course. So we drive up. We park, and it's like 6.30 in the morning, and you're going to have that first tee-off with Nicholas and Gary Player and Arnold Palmer at like 7 o'clock sharp or 6.45, and you know we get into the parking lot at 6.30 or 6.35, and I'm like, well, this isn't going to work. It's going to take 15 minutes to park and 15 minutes to go through security, and it took like five minutes. You park the wow. car, you walk to the gate, you're inside, and we walked up. And, you know, it is busy, but not so busy. It's laid out in a way that you could see Billy Payne saying, 
Welcome to Augusta National. Yeah. Three honorees this year for the opening shot are Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer. Or as I say, Jack Garrett, Nicholson. Or as you say, Jack Nicholson. <laughs> and it, it's just, if you go to Amen Corner, and I've been to a lot yeah. of the great holes in golf, you have to think about it. You go to Pebble Beach and you want to see over the ocean there. There are going to be a lot of people there. The way they do the seating and the limited number of tickets that they have Everyone can see. You can stand right down on the ropes, and there's people that bring their chairs or sit. And then there's room to stand behind the people right. that sit. And then they're seating up above. Like, I've been to tournaments where I'm like, I'd really like to sit at this par three for a while. There are no seats. No one's getting out of their seats. Right. You, you just simply cannot do it, or you can wait in line for an hour or two. You walk over to Amen Corner, there just aren't enough ticket holders. There are people interested in a lot of different things going on. You walk up and you sit down and you watch for as long as you want, wow. and you get up and you leave, and you have the $2 pimento sandwich yeah. and the $2 Coke and the $3 beer. It, it's just, it almost ruins the rest of golf. It's its too easy. It's impossible to get a seat. But once you are able to get a seat, the parking's unbelievable. Yeah. The concessions are unbelievable. The sight lines are incredible. The course is much, much more hilly than it looks like on TV. Yeah. I mean, it, it's serious terrain. It's up and down, and but its it's exquisite. It's the best. It, it, it is... It may be the best sporting event I've ever been to. And I've been to the World Series, but you know, you, you're at the Oakland Coliseum in my yeah. case, and it's a lousy ballpark, and you're not that close to the action, even with good seats. You go to the Final Four, and even if you have really good seats, it's still a football stadium that you're watching, right. a basketball game in. I mean, the fact that you can be that close to the best on earth at this historic, incredible place, I, I mean— I think if you haven't been to the Masters, if that's not number one on your list, it's got to be really, really close. The closest I've come to Augusta National is the front gate. We, uh, when I was with Canapolis, we were uh, we were playing Augusta. We only played them on the road, I think, twice because back then you wouldn't play everybody home and away. You'd either play them at your place or on the road, so it'd flip flop. So we played there twice, and I remember one time. Uh, one of our coaches tried to play the White Sox card. Like, oh, you know, we were with the White Sox. And the guy was like, that's great. <laughs> Only one of you can go, go in. Yeah, yeah. Like, All right. now, now, let me ask you this. Do you have a, if I could go to any event, there's one, like, dream that you've always wanted to go to? Now, you've been to the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, I've been to I've been to Super Bowl. I've been to... Um, I've been to an NHL NHL finals. Yep, Stanley Cup. Uh, Stanley Cup final. Um, I don't. I've, I've been in town covering an NBA final, but I don't think we ever went to a game there. And of course, I've been to World Series games. Yeah. Um. So, my my bucket list tends to be more. Uh, I've never been to a Ma Augusta. We just talked about Masters, and I've always wanted to go to the British Open. Yep. Those. I mean, I I would like to combine those, and maybe not do them at the same time, same year, but. Those two are, are the one the one thing that remains that I really would love to do. Now, I've never you, been to a Kentucky Derby either. I'm not as high you on seeing go. that. You gotta, I do want to do that. you got to do yeah. that. And, and that doesn't have anything to do with handicapping and betting on horses. It's, it's no. like going to Mardi Gras. Oh, yeah, you just yeah. have to right. go. Just go to go, to go. Go to go. It's an event. I'll it's tell a you, scene. So, uh, so we were in Florida this week, and John and I – this is why my son is great. So – I, I knew. I mean, obviously, I, you know, I pay attention. I knew the Red Sox were in Tampa, but I didn't really kind of put the two and two together that that we were going to be an hour and a half away. 
in Orlando because we were so focused, you know, with the with winter. Mickey and Minnie. Yeah, you know, we, you know, we were so focused on that, and you know, just a lot going on lately. So I just really didn't put two and two together. And we were thinking more spring training and not regular season. And uh, so we get off the, we're literally getting on the the tram in Orlando to go to the, uh, the uh, the main section to get our bags. And John's like, Dad, Red Sox are playing in Tampa. We should go. And I'm like, Yeah, it's not a bad <laughs> idea. We should go. So we rented a car. Uh, we got tickets, and you know, obviously, I'm friends with uh, Joe Castiglione, and uh, so I, I worked through uh, my buddy Neil Solans helped me uh, work with the uh, PR department. So they got me. I had the tickets already, but they got me a pass that we could um, just go up to the press box and see Joe. So That's we, awesome. So we went to that. But the reason why I bring this up is uh, people talk about the Tropicana, uh, the Trop as being a, a blank hole, and it is weathered. It you know, it it's it's an older facility. But I thought actually sitting in the stands when we had great seats. It's not retractable, right? It's not retractable, but it was you know it was comfortable. Um, it, it was it was, I, I it was a fun it was I a fun buy experience. Baseball indoors, like oh yeah, one time to see the Red Sox with your son, cool thing to do. But baseball is not meant to be played indoors. No, but I would. Uh, the problem is though, when you get into these climates. Yep. I mean, the beginning of the year, it's hard to play in the East. But I understand. No, but even like, I mean, who wants to sit out in, uh, you know, in the middle of July when the humidity is like 100 yeah. percent in Miami? I yep. mean, you know, it's, and it's going to rain. You no, know, it, it, it's true. I mean, we're sitting here at BB&T Park. It feels like there's a threat of rain or rain before or during a whole lot of games during the summer. I mean, it's just it's it's the way it goes. Um, the World Cup, by the way, that that's the one I really want to go to. I'd like to go. To I've a been World to a World Cup, Cup at some point. What, you, what was it like? Um, it was fun. It was we had tickets to like a a D game, if you will. And well, I say that as the ignorant American. I mean, it was it was uh, Costa Rica and it was on Fox Pro. I mean, this was back in like 1994. Um, I, f- I forget who the other team was, but it was fun. I mean, it was a great experience. Was it an unbelievable atmosphere, or because it wasn't elite teams, was it not like? I mean, obviously, if you go see Brazil play, it's incredible. If you go see Spain play, right. it's incredible. Was it a great environment? Yeah, it was. It was a fun environment. It was. I, I think because I, we were a little bit higher up, so it wasn't. Uh, I mean, they weren't great. They weren't bad seats, but they weren't great seats. But yeah, no. I mean, the general atmosphere was fun. I mean, you know, we we tailgated. You know, we had a blast. We yeah. enjoyed it. I want to go to a World Cup. I want to go to the uh, the Australian Open. Those are kind of like the two the two big ones. I've been to all the other golf and tennis majors, so we'll get there eventually. But the Masters, really looking forward to it. And like you said, if Tiger is in contention. Well, but did you see what Tiger said yesterday? What did Tiger say yesterday? So, you know, basically he's had like all these back surgeries, like I think three or four surgeries in the last like four years. And he had the, the most recent procedure a couple months ago or maybe six months ago, and they, they took out a piece of a degenerated disc. And he f- he thought that, you know what? I'm just gonna be, you know, an average person, if you will. You know, I'll be able to walk around, be able to enjoy my life. But you know, the game probably just isn't gonna be what it was. And he said in the last you know, couple months, things have clicked. He's getting his speed back. Uh, he's really encouraged about how his how his game is coming along. And he and, and to me, what's interesting, Dave, is he kind of kind of resigned himself to just being happy to live a normal life physically. But now some of his Game is, or not, maybe not game, but some of his physical abilities are coming back. I mean, he's been pretty good early in the year, but his 
expectations, and maybe not personally, but everyone else's expectations for him are so lofty. Yeah. If he's contending, he has to win. If he finishes fourth, it's an anecdote to history. He has to right. win to actually— But like, I think he's the type of guy that can withstand that pressure. Well, yeah, if he's there at the end, it's hard to bet against him. But it's Even different though it's to, been easy to bet against him for the last five years. Right, but it's also easy. I mean, it's easy to say that, uh, but it, it, he's at a stage in his life. It's not like he's 28, 29. I mean, what is he, like 42 now? Yeah. I mean, so four days. So if you're going to pick one guy, who are you going to pick? Uh, I I I mean I'm I'm a Rory McIlroy guy. Yeah. So well, even if he stinks, I'm I'm. Going he hasn't for him. been great in the Masters. He's yeah. he's been in contention. I think he's been in the top ten yeah. the last five years. But he hasn't been within three four shots of the lead going to Sunday in, in any of those years. Speed has been so incredible at the yes. Masters, but then the last six or so rounds haven't been right. that good. I, I think it'll be fun. Sergio regardless. finally got yeah. a win. I mean it's I. What's interesting, I think, for for the casual fan is that, like you said earlier, there's probably eight guys that can. There, get, there are more than eight that can win, but there are at least eight, but eight that, that are like that legitimate, are, like, like right, favorites. Right. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm looking. It's the Bearded Carcass. What episode is this? This is 18. Oh, my God. We made 18 episodes. Yeah. The Bearded Carcast. Mike Pacheco, Dave Freightman. Send us an email, beardedcarcast at outlook.com. Follow us on Twitter, at Bearded Carcast. It all started with us driving to Winthrop basketball games, our Carcast, the podcast, as we drove to the games, we would check out cool restaurants and cool things along the way, then broadcast the game. It's the off-season for basketball. Officially, Winthrop season's been over for a month or so, but the national championship game was on Monday. It wasn't much of a game. Villanova steamrolled two pretty good opponents in the Final Four and won their second championship in three years. I think the narrative is broken, though. The thought is, well, Villanova, they were the best team the whole year. No, they weren't. They were taking overtime in the Big East championship (laughs) game Virginia was the best team all right. year. They were the one that won the best conference by several games. They were the one that they were ranked number one. They, they, they were the best team. They, they were the one that won the ACC tournament and won the ACC regular season and were ranked number one. And they were the juggernauts. Right. I mean, Villanova had a spectacular year. At the end of the day, they're the ones you remember. Right. Although I don't actually think they are. When we look back, on the 2017... UMBC is going to be the team that everybody remembers from yeah. this year. Yeah, UMBC, number one. And Loyola, Loyola, number two. Right. Villanova, number three. But when you talk about the entire narrative of the basketball season, if those are the three big things that come out of the NCAA tournament, how do you rank those and where do you put in the FBI scandal? It's funny you said that because as you were kind of winding up to that, I was thinking, and don't forget the FBI scandal, because that kind of looms under everything, right? I mean, there was a report yesterday that the University of Rhode Island was going to replace Danny Hurley Hurley with with Rick Pitino, and and the president of the university got involved and said, when the when the paperwork got to his attention, he said, no, we're not doing this. Yeah. Uh, that's a huge impact. I mean, not that this would have happened four so years ago, but four th- years ago, for some reason, if Rick Pitino had just said, you know, I'm leaving Kentucky, I mean, every school in the country would have been going after him. So 10 years later, we remember George Mason going to the Final Four, right. VCU going to the Final Four. We obviously remember the champions, the back-to-back Florida National Championships. 
But when we look back, but I still think I still think you remember Villanova first, just because of a the the fact that they won two in three years. I think that team was very resilient. They 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 faced an upstart Michigan team. You know, Michigan. A lot of people were rooting for Michigan in that game, and then they just thoroughly dominated in the second half. So I I, th- I still think that's number one. That's- Sister Jean, I think, is in my book is probably number two, just because of the 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 length of time that they were in the tournament. Uh, and UMBC, you have to. I mean, that's obviously the the the, the third part of this triangle, right? I mean. I think UMBC is number one. It's just it never happened. It's just that enormous upset that everyone will remember because there has been George Mason and there has been VCU. Loyola is a great story, but they're very much like those narratives we've seen before. We've seen teams win. But at one point, and I don't know if this still is the case, they have the best winning percentage in the in the yeah. NCAA tournament. Yeah. I mean, we've seen teams win two and three years before. I think the takeaway from the tournament is that one Friday night in Charlotte. It's it's UMBC yeah. beating Virginia. Both of them now are historic. Like you can say, I can't U- imagine having tickets to that game <laughs> and not going. <laughs> I mean, but like you can say UMBC in the same way that you'll be able to say, you know, um, uh, um, whatever the Willis Reed. Willis Reed. You yeah, say Willis right, Reed, right. you know exactly what it means. Right. It, it's the same. Or, or, or uh, the baseball would be uh, with the the, the fist home run. Yeah. Or or or. Um, I mean, it was such a seminal moment in in because it never been. I mean. Yeah, I mean, th- in this me, case, I this has never of, been done before. I think before. of Kirk Gibson in the same. Yeah. Right. In the same right. sort Just an iconic of moment. But I don't know long term if. That supersedes the FBI. And the reason is, if Condoleezza Rice and their committee changes the sport, if the NBA ends up taking one-and-dones, or if the, if the system changes forever, and we already have lost Rick Pitino to this, and there might be more down the road, I'm not sure in the long term if UMBC holds up more or a huge change to the sport happens more. And that's that's to be seen. I th- I think what's really interesting uh, about changes to come. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago about you know what models should basketball. I've kind of come around to um, one of the things that you had kind of made a point of, which is, and I was reading a story about this in the New York Times on the plane this morning. Um, you know, the NHL is getting um, more and more production of college players, so it's becoming more of a breeding ground. And so a lot of these guys are, you know, leaving in, in hockey. I think you can leave whenever you want, right? I mean, you're drafted by the team, but you can stay in college as long as you want, or right. you can opt out. After with, every year, you have the choice. But, right. but you're I, but drafted I think, out of high school, right. and then you are property of yeah. the Whatever San the team Jose is. Sharks or right. and Anaheim I think, Ducks. And I think what's interesting about that model is I think this year already 10 guys um, have opted out this year and are not, not, not 10 total. They're more than that. But ten guys have opted out and are actually on NHL rosters right, right now. At the end, at of, the the end of the college season. College season. So, right. so Marvin Bagley yeah. could have been drafted last right. year, yeah. played a year at Duke, right. and now can join whatever yeah. team drafted him for the stretch run of yeah. the season. I like that. I think that would be an interesting model. Right. And I think where that model, where you have to be very careful is where does free agency start? Because I think in the NBA – I forget now. Our contracts, four years for rookies, and then the team can sign you for another year or two, and then you become an unrestricted free agent. Whatever it is, 
you can't penalize the guy. You, everyone's clock has to start at the same time. Right. The number of years has to start when you graduate from high school. And then if you go to college and you play a year or two, that counts against your clock so that everyone becomes a free agent at the same time. Because otherwise, going to college hurts you. You oh, have to go right, 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 forward. Right. But it seems very workable. That, that's a pretty small, that's detail, a small detail to a very yeah. good system. Yeah, no doubt about it. We're at BB&T Ballpark. It's our bearded car cast. One of the fun things, Mike, about minor league baseball is the games aren't that important. So if you say, yeah, let's go on a Tuesday night. Yeah, let's well, go on a Friday say, night. Say that to the guy who's trying to work his way up to the big no, leagues. No, they're, they're important no, I know, to I know. the players. I just, I'm just trying to be the, funny. The, the fans, not necessarily like, did the Knights win or did the Bulls win? Well, for the fans, it's an experience. They're coming yes. out to, to experience the ballpark, watch the game, get some good food. And that's why the promotions are more important right. in the minor leagues than they are in the major leagues. So, you, so you're coming out for the Lucas Giolito bobblehead, Dolph? The, Is that uh, Perfect game bobblehead doll. Are they giving away a Lucas? Yeah, and it's going to have the line score from his perfect game. Oh, that's or not perfect game, from his no-hitter, excuse me. When did bobbleheads become a thing? I, I remember when I was broadcasting South Atlantic League games, and that would be, oh, 2004, 2005, something like that. They were giving away bobblehead dolls then. The first bobblehead doll I ever got, actually. You, you know who knows the answer to this is our good friend Jeff Lahr. Yes, he would. The first bobblehead doll I remember getting, and there could have been one before this, but it's that story I told on the car cast last week. I went to that Giants game, 18 innings, got trapped oh, in right, San right, right, Francisco, yeah. then went to the A's game the next yeah. day and got a bobblehead doll. That would have been like somewhere in the range of 2000 or 2001. Yeah. It was a Miguel Tejada right. bobblehead right. doll. I still have that bobblehead doll. Do you have all the bobbleheads from all the minor league games you've been to? And do you have 50 or however many you would have come across Have you never years? been to the office? Did you yeah. get the tour of the office? Yeah, once upon a time. You got them all up there? So, yeah, so let me tell you this real quick. Um, so I, I I wouldn't say I have every bobblehead of every game I've attended that has had some. Um, most places would, will, will, if you're in the yeah. press box, they'll hand them. I have a Cole Hamels bobblehead doll from Lakewood, New Jersey. So this would have been 2002, maybe 2003. They did, um, at the beginning of the year, minor league baseball, in conjunction with major league baseball, did this, like, 20 bobblehead or 18 bobblehead series of major league players when they were minor league players. Okay. And I don't think they sold, they didn't sell as many or for some reason there were still some left over at the end of the year. So they went back to the minor league clubs and said, hey, if you guys want to buy these, you know, for, I forget what the price was. I think it was maybe 100 bucks for the set of them. So I said, yeah, I'll do that. It, it's like, you know, Roger Clemens in a Pawtucket uniform, yeah. Jeter in like a Greensboro bat or yeah. whatever the team. So I have that, and then I do have the the collection of, uh, you know, I think the most recent one was the Matt Davidson Jedi Knights bobblehead from last year. So I probably have, I haven't counted them up. I mean, I have a Homer one. I have, I think there's, uh, uh, there's one from the Bobcats. Um, I've, I've had a couple. Uh, Mariano Rivera, they did one in Greensboro, that they that they that they gave to us. So I probably have like twenty five or thirty bobbleheads. Okay. And what about all the other giveaways? It's Bats Day. Bat day oh, well, listen to this. So, uh, you know, we, we got tickets to the Rays game on Saturday, and it was the 20th anniversary of the first Devil Rays game. Of course, now they're the Rays, but back then they were the Devil Rays. So uh, as we're walking in, uh, they handed us two seat cushions. It was seat cushion night. Perfect example. So you have a Devil Rays seat cushion. Yes. How long will you own that? As in, 
like oh, it's gonna go up on one of the shelves. It, so like you're gonna have that. I'm gonna bury it behind something. I mean, you'll see it, but it'll be yeah. And if you and your family someday move, does the Devil Ray seat cushion move with you? Absolutely, because the bobblehead. I'm gonna have to see if I have a picture of this. Uh, and I'm not gonna be able to. Maybe, maybe this will be the picture we use for the the uh, the cast this week. We can put it on Twitter. Uh, bearded card. I gotta cast. find it. I gotta find it. You keep talking. So. You get stuff when you work in minor league yes. sports, whether it be a rally towel or a bobblehead yes. doll or a seat cushion. And at some point, you ask yourself, "Why do I have all yes. this stuff? Like, like, is this stuff valuable to me in some emotional way, or is it valuable to someone else? Could I give it to a friend? Would they benefit from it more than I would?" And naturally, it's the springtime, and I don't like a lot of clutter and stuff. Mike is showing me the picture of all of his bobblehead dolls. Now, we'll put this on Twitter. That looks like Tony Gwynn. No, I don't think. that's Is that Barry Bonds up there? Yeah, the I think top? so, yeah. Yep, yep. And now, actually, I've actually filled in. i put some more stuff up there, too. Who is Tori Thomas? Trace Thompson, maybe? I don't know who some of these people are. So, okay. So, you have a bobblehead from people that you may know or you may not know. I, seriously, who... Who who is that guy? Um, oh no, that's uh, Joby Thomas. Joby Thomas, oh, the, uh, the Charlotte 49er, uh, great. Yeah, does games. I think he's doing games with Matt now. Great, that's great. So you got a Joby Thomas bobblehead. Yeah, have Cal Ripken ever, Jr. Have you ever asked yourself, Randy Johnson, how much is this stuff worth? Have I ever asked myself how much that stuff is worth? Uh, to me, it's just something. Not that anybody comes up to the office, but it's just a neat thing to, to right. display. It's so, it's it's decoration. So it's for spring me. time. The college basketball season's over. Yeah. And I am not a big stuff guy. I mean the stuff I need is the big T V and direct T V but, but you're very minimalist. I'm minimalist. Like you could live in a tiny house. Yes. So we were going through some stuff at our yeah. house the other day and Nicole was like, if any of this stuff has any value to someone else, let's take it to goodwill and otherwise let's throw it away. And I feel the same way. Yeah. Like, I just don't need this stuff. And I said you know, before we do that, let's throw a couple of this stuff up on eBay. And if nobody buys it, <laughs> we'll throw it away. But otherwise, we'll right. throw up. So we threw up all sorts yeah. of, for lack of a better word, junk. Or Trotsky on, items, maybe yeah, be a yeah. polite, more polite way to put right. it. Right, <laughs> on eBay. And most of the things didn't sell right. because they're not worth anything. Right. And I put everything up for 99 cents. Yeah. And then with like some random buy it now price. Right, right. right? So I had... I guess it was two, I think I had two bobblehead dolls yeah. that I was like, I just, I have no need for this. I just, this is not something I need in my life. I'm not displaying it. It's in a box. Like maybe it has value to someone. And the two bobblehead dolls were, I had a Denver Nuggets bobblehead doll from an old player. Who was it? It was, uh. Uh, maybe I'll think of it in a yeah. minute. I mean, it was a, a good old yeah. Denver Nuggets basketball player. Not not someone remarkable. Right. And the other one I had was an Auburn Double Days uh, bobblehead doll from when I worked in the New York Penn League in 2000 or 2001, whatever year that was, 2002. And it was the manager, Dennis Holmberg. Okay. And it had like a Bass Pro Shops, uh, yeah. you know, little 
moniker thing on it, and he was wearing camouflage. Okay. It was like a Kelly Trapuca bobblehead dollar or something. Yeah. He was not like the world's greatest basketball player. So the basketball bobblehead sold for 99 cents. And, you know, the $6 or $5 shipping, I might have even lost money on it. By the time you pay eBay a buck for a listing and you send it out there. Kiki Vandaway? Was yes, it, it was a Kiki <laughs> Vandaway. How did you know that? Just... Yes, Kiki Vandaway. Sold for 99 cents. <laughs> After you know, three, after, after, after $4 in shipping, yeah, right. you're keeping it, it, the U.S. Postal Service afloat. Hey, hey, Thank you, Amazon. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> shout, shout, out, shout out to our colleague Doug Greenwald, the big fan of the U.S. Big Postal Service. Big fan of the Postal Service, so that's this, right. So this, and he's been to a lot more post offices than we have. In the last month. So this Dennis Holmberg bobblehead doll, Dennis was the manager of the team, a guy yeah. I knew pretty well, and a bizarre human being. I mean, just a, a strange guy, a very good yeah. manager, by the way, but a guy that I once went to a movie with. I took him out to a movie for his birthday, and we got to the movie theater, and I bought the ticket, and he started asking the people at the movie theater, like, if he could have some free movie posters, because oh, he just wow. wanted them, yeah. or if media came and interviewed him, yeah. he would, like, look at their, like, you know, ABC 13 shirt and go, you got any more of those ABC 13 shirts? Which is like, always looking yeah. for, for a gimmick, a freebie, yeah. a something. He would. He had this thing in the clubhouse where if someone did something stupid, he would call them the horse's ass. This is a podcast we can yeah. use. That, the horse's ass of the year. And at the end of the year, he made up a little trophy and gave it to the horse's <laughs> ass of the year. I still have the trophy. <laughs> I, was, I did. I didn't put that one on eBay. So I put this thing up. This Dennis Holmberg bobblehead doll. And I, I put it up for 99 cents yeah. with a buy it now price of $24.99. Yeah. Three minutes later, it was freaking gone. Come on, really? Yeah. I couldn't Who believe. bought it? I don't know. Somebody in Niagara Falls. That's hilarious. I mean, like. Dude, what do you think I could get for my collection? Well, I have no idea. If Kiki Vandaway is worth 99 yeah. cents and Dennis Holmberg is worth $25, right. I I have no clue. I mean, like, I've got an old Davidson media guide with Steph Curry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that worth a dollar or two hundred dollars? Why don't you put it up? Here's what you do: put it up for like ninety nine cents, but the buy it now is like two hundred. Yeah, I mean, like, right? I, what do you lose? I don't know. It, it's just it, it's funny to think of like all these tokens. Like yeah. if it, like uh, Nicole is from Minneapolis. I wanted a uh, a Homer hanky for our room that kind of has yeah. all this sports memorabilia. So we bought one for like three dollars and ninety nine yeah. cents. Yeah. But something tells me. Some of that stuff is actually worth yeah. a lot more. Like so, if you collect, and if it has a little patina on it, it's maybe worth even more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Like all the stuff you get from the knights, though, you save. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I put it up on my shelf. Yeah, and someday you'll give him to John. Someday, yeah, it'll be it'll be bequeathed to him. Yeah, I mean, unless I, unless I put it up on eBay. Right. I, I don't know. Like, I just I don't actually want this stuff. Like, some of this stuff, you know, the Miguel Tejada bobblehead, I'm an A's fan. I'll hold on yeah. to that. But, like, like the Dennis Holmberg bobblehead doll was either going in the garbage <laughs> or was going on eBay. And if it hadn't sold And now you're buying eBay, us lunch with it. Yeah, exactly. It's the biggest sponsor of the Bearded Cart <laughs> All right, that's it. <laughs> that's enough, yeah. Well, uh, until next time. Episode 18 is in the books. Enjoy the Masters. And... and Correspond with this. Yeah. I mean, the basketball season's over, so we're done talking about college basketball, and I'm not a huge NFL draft guy. What do you want to hear? Bearded Carcast at Outlook.com or online at Bearded Carcast. Goodbye.